This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Since arriving at the San Diego Supercomputer Center on the UC San Diego campus in the mid-1990s, Beth Simon has made computer science and the teaching of computer science her life's work. But as a young girl growing up in the Midwest, she never imagined her interest in computers would take her to California. I went to a rather small, primarily undergraduate institution in Ohio. And really, people from there didn't tend to go to graduate school in computer science. But my professors took an interest in me and they recommended that I apply for a summer program for undergraduates that would give them the chance to see what is graduate school really like. So I applied. I had no idea where they were going to send me or if they were going to select me. And interestingly enough, they selected me and assigned me to Fran Berman, who was a professor at the time here in the computer science and engineering department. Now, interestingly, Fran always worked in high performance computing and later she became director of the supercomputer center. So that was my first introduction to California and UCSD. And I will always remember it as a kid from the Midwest. I was here on the first day and I was in graduate student housing and they, these apartments with window walls. And I was on the phone with my mother and I'm like, Mom, a guy just walked by with a surfboard on his head. I'm in California. But once I came here, I decided it was too great um, to leave. And that's what uh, got me to come here for graduate school. So I know that females today only are awarded 18% of the Bachelor of Science degrees in computer science. That number has not changed. In fact, it's actually gone down a little bit since the last couple decades. What was that like for you then? My father was a computer scientist. He was, when he got his bachelor's degree, you couldn't actually get a degree in computer science yet. He was going to be a math teacher. But he got a master's degree in computer science, and he just encouraged me from an early age to play around with computers and just give this a try. That said, when I was an undergrad, I also majored in Spanish, just in case this whole computing thing didn't work out. Um, but it's certainly something that's been a part of my life going forward. Um, there's very... Even fewer women get PhDs in computer science. And you really are very aware that um, you know, you're in a room, that you're uh, uh, one of the only women in the room. In fact, I've even taught classes where I was the only woman in the room as the professor. So that makes you even more of an important role model um, today. Um, I also know that you have had a passion for teaching, I think, your entire career. Mm -hmm. Um, you also are very curious about how students learn. I know that you have a very unique teaching style. I, I hear that you flip your classrooms, you l use a lot of peer instruction. So, I mean, what does this mean for your students? Well, it really means that they can have a, a very special, very personal learning experience, even in a large classroom. So this is where my passion for teaching came from. I went to this small university where class sizes were capped at 20. I'd always learned that in that environment. And then here I come to graduate school at UCSD, and I would sit in on some undergraduate courses with hundreds of people, and I just sat in the back and I thought, oh my gosh, this is an awful experience that they're having. I also knew, because I had been a graduate student at UCSD, that most PhDs in computer science at the time got 
no training whatsoever in teaching. You didn't even have a TA training course. We've since changed that here. But it is very common that PhDs in general would not really get much, if any, training whatsoever in both the practicalities of teaching, let alone in the theories of how people learn. And so really, it's one of the, the, the most challenging things because two things come into play. PhDs or professors know what it's like to be an expert in a field. They are an expert in their field. They know it takes time and effort and practice and feedback to become an expert in their field. But they also know that they're supposed to be experts at teaching just because that's what professors are and do, but they know they've had none of those four things in preparation to teach. So they feel very uncomfortable about it because they know what it means to be an expert, but they know that, that this isn't something that they necessarily have. The other thing is, especially for scientists, we're trained to use data, to look at data and use that to reflect and improve whatever it's whether we're optimizing compilers and architectures, as I did here at the Supercomputer Center, or whether you want to try to optimize your teaching. But there's so little data available when you are teaching students. I mean, how do you know how much they learned at the end of your lecture? How do you know, even if they're confused, especially in really large classrooms, it's a pretty brave student that would stop you and raise their hand and say they're confused. And how do you get feedback? So how do you get feedback? Well, one of the ways that I do it is through this approach that I use with my flipped classroom. And I use an approach called peer instruction. And the general overall view is that students can learn some of the basic stuff that people lecture about in the classroom. They can learn that on their own. They can read a book beforehand or they can watch a video lecture. But what you really want to do is take advantage of the time that students are with you, the expert, in the classroom to enable them to really go more deeply and get feedback from you, which also allows you to get feedback from them about what they're understanding or not understanding. So in a general class that I teach, let's say it's an hour and 20 minute class, students will spend about 45 minutes of that time talking to each other or talking to me at the front of the classroom. So I'm not standing up there talking most of the time. And this contributes to an incredible difference in the classroom experience. Students know that they're supposed to come to class and be prepared to engage with each other, to talk and try to figure something out. And I do this by giving them challenging questions, which are multiple choice questions, and they vote on them using one of these devices called a clicker. And the great thing about using this technology and actually asking people to try a question and vote on it is that it's causes people's brains to actively engage. They have to commit to some answer, and they have to think about it. And I get immediately in the class the results of that poll so I can see how well students are doing. Now, you might think I might just do that, and it just sounds awful if you've been in the university classroom, you're like, what, she's just going to quiz me every time that we're coming in? That's not the goal. You don't actually have to get the questions right. In fact, I hope that you don't get them right, because they should be hard. So after people try to answer a question, I actually have them all talk to each other in groups. And so students come to class and they know they're gonna sit next to the same people every day. They're gonna be talking with those other students, trying to figure out this hard stuff, and that they will have the opportunity to learn and to meet other people as they're doing this. 
So this is very different than the sage on the stage, than the approach that mm -hmm. most professors make at universities. Is it rare in computer science at this university that other professors use this method? Not so much anymore. Um, when I started doing it, I was one of the, I was the first person in the computer science department here at UCSD to adopt peer instruction. And one of the first that we know of in, in the nation as well. With the goal of trying to increase retention in our introductory programming courses, this became something that people noticed. I did, wrote publications on it, and people saw and came to my classroom and saw how engaging it was. And honestly, for a professor, it's a heck of a lot more fun to be doing this with students, to actually work with them in answering their questions rather than repeating the same things you've said right. before. Right. So it wasn't too hard to convince some faculty to do it. So I also know that your teaching and your emphasis on teaching and this kind of learning does not just, it goes outside of the university. You also have a great passion for uh, helping high school students. And I know that we're involved in a grant with funding from NSF, and we now are training high school teachers in the San Diego area in three districts, Sweetwater, San Diego Unified, and Vista. And I know that, Beth, you've had a profound effect on a teacher in particular, Art Lopez, a high school teacher at Sweetwater District. Can you talk a little bit about him and how he has embraced your computer science principles class? It's almost impossible to explain how much we at the university need colleagues like Art Lopez. We really can't make the impact that we need without these dedicated teachers in the local communities because they're on the ground and they are what makes things work. So I got to know Art when I first uh, developed one of the first five national university pilots of a new advanced placement course that we were developing in computer science called CS Principles. And so I knew from the beginning that I had to develop this course in a way that it would serve a broad range of students, students with varying backgrounds in computing, perhaps even kind of computer phobic starting off. And so with that in mind, I developed this course that was based around peer instruction and getting students to think about how computers work and believe that they had control over them. We were able to recruit a group of teachers in the San Diego area, and Art Lopez was one of the first ones. Now, Art was a standout from the beginning, I have to say. We had an eight-week training course. He found out that I was teaching class Tuesday, Thursday at 4 o'clock, and he said, can I come to your class? And so almost every class for that quarter, Art attended my lectures and sat there and behaved as a student experienced a classroom as the student and loved the engagement that he saw, loved the concepts that students were learning. And he took this back to his classroom. And instead of doing what most computing courses do in high school and is really considered absolutely the norm, which is you have the kids work on their computers and you go around and stand behind them and help them, he adopted this flipped classroom model where he would have the students do, at this point we had created an online textbook for students to use, he would work with them through that, and then he would also run these peer instruction questions with his students having clickers. And now in his classroom, students aren't just silently sitting there staring at a computer typing. They are talking. They're gathering around each other, arguing about something. He will have the thing up on the screen, they'll be pointing at it, and he goes around and listens in, and here's what people talk about. And then the students learn that 
Computing isn't just about boring people staring at the computers. That you have to be able to talk about your code because software is developed in teams. And that you need to be able to communicate and collaborate with other people in order to be successful in the computing field. And I think it's helped the whole idea of broadening participation in computer science. I know that art it has a lot of Latina students, and so he's brought in a lot of female students into computer science that are probably opening up a whole new area of maybe going to college and majoring in computer science. Now, um, you and I, I think, were back east at a National Science Foundation meeting earlier this year, and it was on the heels of when President Obama, at his last State of the Union address... In the coming years, we should build on that progress by providing pre-K for all and offering every student... Offering every student the hands-on computer science and math classes that make them job ready on day one. We should recruit and support more great teachers for our kids. And then he announced his initiative, Computer Science for All, and he's seeking $4 billion backing from Congress to make sure that students, every student in our nation has computer science courses that they can take and be at least literate. What do you think this is going to do for our country, this computer science for all initiative? I think it's absolutely imperative that we get started on this, and I think it has the potential to do amazing things. Let's just think about it this way. You know, we know the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And these are critical to everyone's success, because whether you're going to become a university professor or start your own business, you need those skills in order to be able to accomplish the basics in life, to understand whether your company could be financially viable, to market your company, etc. Well, really, does anybody do anything that doesn't really involve computing anymore? Hey, I can't wait to see your office. I know, it's uh, very small. But... Not only does Beth teach computer science in the classroom, she also reaches students and teachers online by producing videos in her campus office that is also her studio. I have my laptop set up and ready to record. I just turn on my lights. Lighting. I have my microphone. And I have my green screen behind me and my recording off my camera. Light camera action. Uh, yeah, so this is the basic setup I use to record, and then I just bring up my PowerPoint slides, and I'm ready to go. You recently took a sabbatical at Coursera, an education technology company that um, offers quite a few what we call MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses. What's the role in online education, particularly in computer science? Where's all this going? Well, it really is an open question, but to get to the issue of the fact that we are going to need many, many more high school teachers teaching computing, I think online has an opportunity there. So let's just set the stage. People may be unaware. Think about your local high school. How many math teachers are there? You know, every student is taking a math course every year. You expect a lot of math teachers. Your local high school may have zero teachers who are trained to teach computing, zero teachers even, forget trained to teach computing, they may have zero teachers teaching computing. Here in the state of California, 
up until very recently, if you took a computing class, it actually counted, it didn't count toward your university graduation requirements, which for most students means it counts against it and their parents wouldn't let them take it, which is always very interesting to me. Um, but, so the thing is we're really starting from ground zero and I don't know of another discipline where, you know, an, an advanced massive educational system like the K-12 system in the U.S. is bringing in something all new for the very first time that would be required of everyone. Um, another major problem that we have is that um, we believe that, first off, we don't have enough computer science majors as it is, and we believe, although we don't actually necessarily have evidence for this, but we believe that it would be very challenging to convince those computer science majors to go and teach in schools, like some math majors may choose to go and teach math in schools. Because the pay is so low, especially compared to what they can command working in industry. But what we do have are very smart school teachers, and we have very interested teachers who, given the opportunity with their great experience already at being teachers, could get up to speed much more quickly in terms of teaching computing content if they just had access to the disciplinary knowledge that we could provide them, as well as the, the shared knowledge that we will actually have to be developing in how to teach computing at various grade levels. So I think online has the potential for scaling out and help building up these communities of teachers that may exist maybe just one in one school and one in another school and you know, make them more of an online community. Because the one thing we know that online education doesn't work very well for is what we would call novice or beginner students. You know, 10-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 18-year-olds, there's a lot of evidence showing that at least what we're doing right now in online learning often isn't very successful, especially if we think of the scale of a MOOC. And that's because students need motivation. They need, they need to you know, have a real passion or desire for wanting to learn something to be successful at something like a MOOC. Well, teachers who are looking forward to and going to be able to teach a course, they're pretty masterful learners themselves. And we think that that might be a way to try to uh, give them access and opportunity to uh, develop the skills that they need to teach these courses. So Beth, what's next for you in computer science education? What, what, what do you see on the horizon? Well, right now, and in the state of California, we're in a, an amazing time of opportunity. Just April 1st of 2016, they uh, adopted a new, what's called supplemental credential to actually credential teachers to teach computing in the schools in California. There had been an old one, but it was really funny if you looked at it, you can tell how long ago it was written because it talked about things like modems and dial up, et cetera. So this is a modern credential with uh, modern goals to it. And there's currently uh, no existing curriculum uh, in the universities in California for teaching teachers so that they can uh, get accredited in the supplemental credential. So I'm looking forward to working collaboratively with my friends in the Cal State system and in the UC system to develop and begin offering these courses here at UCSD and for our teachers here in San Diego. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Beth. Thank you for your passion for computer science education, and we look forward to following you and doing great things in the future. Great to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks.